0: Thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, my goal as the host is really to interview people who are doing kind of fun and unique things in the world of their business. And I define an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or really anyone who's doing something entrepreneurial in their spirit inside a traditional job. I define that as people who just have that little spark, that little spirit, and we get down and dirty with them and we find out about what makes them tick, how they grow their business, and we try to ask advice that they can share with you, the listener, if you are thinking, I want to do that. I want to strike out on my own. And so every 2 days, twos- twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday, I interview people doing very cool things. And today is no different. Today I have Stacy Hunky. Now, she works with leaders to increase their awareness of what their listeners see and hear, not necessarily what they believe to be true. She helps people communicate Monday to Monday. Communicate with influence Monday to Monday. And so, Stacey Hunky, thank you so much for being here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do.
1: Thank you. It's an honor. Thanks for the opportunity, Tom. Oh, thank you. So,
0: tell everybody who's listening a little about what your company is. What's your business about?
1: Mm-hmm. We are all about helping individuals become more influential, as you did the lead in Monday to Monday, which means a lot of talk around consistency with body language and messaging. I love that we tagline. That- I love that tagline Monday to do Monday. You? Thanks. We just registered that a little over a year ago. And it literally is when we walk into our client sites who know us well, that is one thing that they take away, which is key because we also play off of that and say, see, this is the point. Your message, it has to have some stickiness. It has to be memorable because that's another element to influence.
0: Well, and I always tell people... Oh, I was going to say, I always tell people that, you know, I really admire people who show up and they're the same, whether it's at church on, you know, playing basketball in the bar or in the office, that they have consistency in everything Mm -hmm. that they do. And I love that Monday to Monday piece because that is so true.
1: Yeah. And that ties to when you're asking about what the business does, a big component to that is really talking about your consistent brand, exactly what you're saying, that no matter what medium you're showing up in no matter who you're speaking to personality styles it is no one ever has to second guess who's going to show up so we do that tom through whether it's i'm keynoting very similar to to your world or if it's one-on-one mentoring with the c-suite or my team is out there delivering very intense workshops with a lot of video recording a lot of interactive feedback and private coaching to have individuals really walk away and say I got it. I now get truly the fact that if I feel good when I communicate, doesn't necessarily mean that's how other people are perceiving us. So that's what we mean by really giving our listeners, our audiences and clients, the opportunity to take a close look at what their listeners see in here, rather than what they believe to be true.
0: So when I think of you, the word communication expert has always come to mind, but you weren't always a company. I mean, Stacey Hunky Inc. was for a mm-hmm. while just you. And then before, yeah. that, before that, I mean, you weren't born as sort of a solopreneur. Give us a little background of your career trajectory from corporate world to solopreneur to now having this you know, international training company.
1: You you have good, good memory. The, the initial step outside of the corporate world to go on on my own, I wanted to be a keynote speaker. That was it. I thought, this is how I'll build the business. This is how I'll sustain the business. And really what happened about three, four years into the company, after conferences or right there at the conference, executives or sales leaders would come up to me and say, teach our sales team how to do that not that that's our only clientele, or teach me as an executive, teach me how to do that. And it got to the point, Tom, where I realized, all right, the demand is there. I cannot sustain it on my own. I cannot clone myself. And at that point, about four years into the company, I started looking to bring individuals on, experts that were a lot smarter than I was on the topic, training them, certifying them in our processes to really build those other profit centers. And the idea is we, meaning me and my team, we have such a passion for our topic and knowing that it works, that we feel like there's so many people out there that we can have impact on. And that's what really predicted that team growing to where it is right now. So
0: in, you know, let's back up to the corporate world. What really led you to say, I want to go be a keynote speaker? I mean, how did you how did you take that yeah. leap?
1: Yeah. There were, there were two steps. One of the steps in my career, I worked for an association and I would hire speakers. I would <laughs> introduce them at our conferences. I would travel throughout the state with them that we were based in. And I started to hang on to their shirt tails. I was very young in my career. And I always thought, well, I'm just going to have them coach me. I think that's something I want to do one day as I sat in the back of the room and I watched them and observed them. I just didn't know, well, what is that going to look like? Well, when I moved to Chicago, which is where I'm based today, that was 18 years ago, Wow! I was hired by a company as a consultant. And as a consultant, I traveled, did a lot of international, worldwide travel, teaching this idea of communication skills. The format was different than what I believe in now, and it was more of a presentation skill format. I'd come back home, Tom, off that trip, and I'd think, this isn't right. Ethically, I just taught someone for two, three, four days. How to present on a stage, but isn't it more about how people experience you every day? And then due to the economy and where that company was, it was one of those, I saw the writing on the wall. At that point, I had clients that I had been working with saying, hey, we want you to come speak at our conferences. Would you ever consider? And I thought, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? I live in Chicago where there's a Starbucks on every other corner. I always <laughs> thought if this gig doesn't work, I can work for Starbucks, nothing against Starbucks. And I left the corporate world kind of out of a push pull mentality, but probably the biggest, the most the smartest push. I'm so glad I had that push with the company I was with at the time that wasn't doing well. And I could see the writing on the wall that I was next to go. And I and I, I took the jump. I made the jump. Just like you hear any successful entrepreneur, it's the risk. But if you don't do it 10 years, 15 years down the road, are you going to be looking back saying, ah, it was there. I saw it but I didn't do anything about it.
0: And there's so many people who do that. I mean, I look back. I, I ended up doing mm-hmm. what I'm doing because I got laid off on April 1st, 2009. You know, uh, Arguably, yeah. the worst part of the recession was April 2009. There were no jobs. Mm-hmm. And I had already been mm-hmm. speaking. I had already written a book. And, and like you, I, as, a, as a sales and marketing person, I went to a lot of conferences and I would watch these speakers and I'd be like, I want their job. How, uh, how do you get that? And uh-huh. I'd spent... Maybe a decade studying it, but I wasn't really sure what to do, and then I got laid off, and I said, well, here we go, and I joined the National Speakers Association, and I jumped in full time, and I, mm. I started studying people who – like you, who were doing this longer than me, who were actually making a living at it, and and I figured it out. But I think sometimes, what if I hadn't gotten laid off? Would I still be the director of marketing for a yeah. consulting firm? So there was a little bit of serendipity in, in that layoff and that economy.
1: yeah. It was, it definitely was the push. I mean, I felt I was a little, at that time, I thought too young to be jumping out there. But I also, there was just that moment where I thought I have nothing to lose. And I know that's a lot easier said than done. And it wasn't smooth sailing from the time I, I jumped ship out of the corporate world. But I think that's a big difference between someone that has that entrepreneurial spirit versus someone that, and right, wrong, or indifferent, Someone that prefers corporate world security, yet I don't think there's security in either option of those. If you're not doing the work, you're not focused, and you're not disciplined in staying consistent with the work every day.
0: Well, and we've proven that. I mean the last 10 years, the idea that the job is the safe way to go, I think everybody realizes mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's no more or less safe than starting your own. You just have to figure out you know, what's right for me. I tell everybody being an entrepreneur is yeah. not for everyone but if mm-hmm. you feel that, that calling, I almost think you owe it to yourself to go and try it at, at some point because otherwise you're going to be like, you know, well, maybe, well, maybe, well, maybe. So you know, I think you and I have both been down that path where we're kind of glad that we did it. But now that you've been doing it yes. for a long time, what do you love about the lifestyle you've created as a business owner?
1: Oh, there are – the first two that come to mind is the reward and the impact. I, I live off of finding that next opportunity and in finding that next opportunity to really have impact on someone's lives. I think the other thing that motivates me there is it's now not just me. And I've got a whole team that I feel responsible for. and I need to keep them out there and keep them employed. The second, it's the freedom. Now, when I say freedom, it's not, I take off whenever I want. I mean, you know, for yourself, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. (laughs) It's more the freedom of you get to decide what this looks like, what impact you want, who you want to work with, when you want to do it. That, to me, that freedom of choice. And one more, I told you there there were only two. The third one is, I look back like you, if I would have stayed in corporate world, I don't think I would have gained the experiences I've had, the knowledge, and the growth of very thick skin, because when you're out there on your own, you're working it.
0: Every day. <laughs> and you day. really
1: learned to, yes, you really learn to gain some thick skin and take a lot of risk, because without that, you and I both know, Tom, in our industry, you, you could not survive in this industry if you didn't take the risk.
0: Oh, you got to take the risk and you got to realize that, you know, sometimes you're going to have some bad days. I always make the joke that anytime you talk to a speaker or or a a trainer, anyone who gets up in front of an audience, if anybody says, oh, I've never had an off day, my answer is they're either lying or it's coming because I've had very, very few. But everybody has that day where you go, hmm, didn't gel so much with that audience. And if you can't be honest about it and really look at was it me, was it them, was it a combination, you know can can I learn from this if you can't do that then it's you're going to spiral at some point exactly so you had said earlier that you started off as as sort of a pure keynote speaker model but mm-hmm. that you listened to your audience they were asking you for more they were asking mm-hmm. you to come in to do that that one-on-one c level consulting and then that also that that more uh, vast training of the troops on communications and then you mm-hmm. went out and, and you hired people to, to to help you but also then to represent your company. What was it like going from being mm-hmm. Stacy Hunky to actually having other people, not just from the point of being responsible for paying them, but for I mean I always think, mm-hmm. gosh, could I send someone out there as my representative or or would I spend <laughs> all day scared to death?
1: It, it was falling on my face a lot of times and learning very quickly. You don't want to step on the same landmine. And when you do fall, fall fast and get back up on your feet. Not <laughs> that I still, still not falling. I just like to believe it's a little less and it's at least not in the same con, the same landmines. The, the challenge you've hit it on the head is finding that person. It wasn't finding the person, Tom, that I thought had the skills. We never looked for trainers. We never looked for instructors. We looked for people that, first and foremost, I could trust. I knew when they were out on the road, I trusted them with my name, with the company, with our clients that support us. The second was someone who's open and willing to go through a very extensive certification process that people have. The the looking of the people, and it was really internally, if you look at my team, everyone's been brought on the team because either they've been friends in the past or they knew someone through another person. So there's that really, real strong network there. The second challenge was being able to now communicate to your clients who only worked with you, how do you communicate to them that it's not going to be you that will show up? Mm -hmm. You now have this whole team that was there. And that was a lot of trial and error and me creating introductions and really building up our marketing and our communication around that piece. And I think the key, I go back to what you said earlier, why I think it works, our structure, is when we go out there and we do our surveys and we're asking for customer feedback, everyone comes back and says, consistent. No matter who you set up or have us partner with for this training or this mentoring, Everyone is consistent. We know that the best of the best is always going to show up. Now, that takes time, but I go back to one step here. It was a lot of phone conversations with clients, grooming them, communicating to them what was happening with the company, what was happening to our relationship, and the benefit of that team on what they were asking us to do.
0: So your company has grown a lot. I've been watching you sort of from the sidelines. Yeah. I would say in the last three years, you've gone skyrocketing, both in the number of people, the amount of clients you're serving, and everything else. Mm-hmm. What's the hardest part for an entrepreneur who experiences positive growth, but there's got to be some mm-hmm. parts, the growing pains have to be hard?
1: That's it. And that, that's exactly what it is, because growing pains and understanding every company is structured a little different. Our growing pains is we really want to be known as the boutique firm which translation means, we, I, I can still be on the phone with our main contacts. We can still create these programs that are very specific to the day-to-day interactions of those that we're training. That's hard to do, and it's a constantly keeping a pulse check on who's our best fit. Not even best fit, Tom. It's more who's our perfect fit. And there's times when we're really upfront with clients when based on what they're asking or even just the culture where I feel nah, I, I don't think we're the right fit. And we've gotten to the point where we have to be so selective of who we're bringing on. Because if we have too much work, and, and I don't want to say that with an ego, but we have so much going on that we cannot provide the value that we're promising, we'll start to lose clients and we'll start to really jeopardize jeopardize our reputation so you had
0: said earlier that some of the people who work for you were friends of yours and some of them were friends of friends so how important do they you were. think how important do you think it is for someone who's growing a business to have a strong network how important are the people in your life to help you grow your business
1: huge huge That is the most critical piece to this whole process. Our company would not be where it's at without my team. There's no way we would do what we do without them. And, And I give constant credit for what they do and what they bring. The network, though, was huge, Tom. We never looked outside our own team network. Or I'd reach out to my friends asking them, who do you know? I mean, who do you know as a trusted, friend, someone that you would lay your life out for and know they'll always have your back. And it takes time. It took time to find everyone that was on the team or they would recommend someone and that person was ah, not quite ready yet. And then some of them, I, I joke on the side, I chased them for like a full year <laughs> trying to convince them and influencing them. This is where you want to be. So the network is huge. I think any entrepreneur understands that your resources, whether it's your team, whether it's vendors that you partner with, that team is absolutely critical for however you want to sustain your business, whether you want to grow. Most importantly, when you are in challenges or obstacles that quite didn't go your way, you need people like that to have your back.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, so many people... You know, answer that question the same way. I've I've only had a handful of people be like, "Nah, not that important." I mean, with 225 mm. interviews, almost everybody has said I never could have done it without the right people, both on my team, yeah, but also just my support group, my friends, my mastermind group, the association I mm-hmm. belong to. I tell people all along, I never would have been successful in this business if I hadn't joined the National Speakers Association, and yeah. it has nothing to do. With the association itself, it has to do with the friends that I made by being mm-hmm. involved mm-hmm. in it, people like you, people like Neen, people like Patrick Henry, people who sort of showed mm-hmm. me there is a path to success in this business, and they were willing to tell me. And and that was the whole thing. If these people hadn't sort of you know yeah. opened up to me and showed me what they did, I would have had the world of hard knocks would have hit me over the head probably too many times. <laughs>
1: I think why that is so key because we, we I, I talk about this with my friends with NSA and my mastermind group that developed through NSA. I say to them they they're the ones that understand it because they're living and breathing this industry with you. And and sure we've got friends and family outside of that NSA network National Speakers Association. Yet I don't know about you. My my father still thinks they fly you to speak for an hour and they pay you what? (laughs) And then you're done. Like we joke about that. And, but your, your friends within this industry, ah, they, they just get it. And you can lean on them when you're, you're canceled flight and you're sitting in that (laughs) airport or you this long, you know, treacherous road that you took to get to that client site. That's another big piece of it. Because I think how you show up, and that is how well you take care of yourself, your stamina on the road. I mean, that's a whole nother subject around being a successful entrepreneur. I think that probably should have been our very first topic that we, that we talked about. <laughs> it's are you able to sustain the day-to-day grind That positive or not positive that day, the, the bricks that hit you on the head some days? Are you really in mental and physical shape to be able to handle that? Because your your body comes first, and how you show up comes first, and then everything else is stacked upon what does that look like.
0: Well, and I know from my own life, when I was in not as good a shape as I'm in right now, having like back-to-back four trips where I'm traveling, you know, 15 out of 20 days in a row, and then when I'm home, I'm balancing mm-hmm. family and children and everything else, I know it would be exhausting – Whereas I know now mm-hmm. that I'm in a little bit better shape and I eat better and I don't drink as much and I run 20 miles a week, I found that mm-hmm. you know now I can do those trips and I can sort of pop back into whatever role I have to do. So you are right that that, that is part of it. And we learn that from talking to other people who are those road warriors and, and, and who, are, who are you know living that life. And I think that's why I tell people in every industry, join your trade association. Don't say, oh, that's where my competitors are. Join your mm-hmm. trade association because that's where people who are living your life are.
1: Mm-hmm. And you need that just to bounce ideas off of and having someone there to guide you because I think we get so close to our business and our type of expertise, we get blinded. We don't, we don't see the obstacles coming all the time or we, we forget about that because we're focusing where we probably shouldn't be focusing and having that support system is such a make or break for every next step that you take.
0: Well, in my mastermind group, I'm working on a new piece of content content for next year called The Paradox of Potential. And it's all about how do you get Mm -hmm. people to achieve not necessarily their highest potential, but just achieve more of their potential. And I put together sort of a SurveyMonkey survey, and I wanted to get 500 plus people to take the survey. And I'm over 100 and something now, so I'm on my way to it. But when I first started it, the people in my mastermind group were like, this is really good stuff. But They retweaked my survey because I was going too deep in the weeds on some things, and I didn't have enough Mm -hmm. demographic information to be able to slice it up. But one of my mastermind group people, she just did a 1,000-person survey that helped her with her new keynote, and she said, wait, 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 stop. Let's redo it like this so that you can slice and dice the data in a way that it's going to give you value to your customers. And I was like, wow, I I would have gone down the wrong path with my survey, but it's, again, being around people who can – chop it up for mm-hmm. you and say, whoa, I've done this. Let's do it right. That's right.
1: It's so true, powerful.
0: <laughs> so if somebody's listening and they're thinking, you know, I want to do my own thing. I've always had a desire to create my own path, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be as a speaker or a trainer. It, it could be to open a bakery, whatever they want to do. If they're listening right mm-hmm. now and they're thinking, Stacy's done it. Tom's done it. How, mm-hmm. I, I want to do it. What advice would you give them?
1: Have a purpose for why you're going to design, execute on the business you want to execute on. Because when those days get really tough, that purpose is what's going to get you through. What is the ultimate reason? What's your why for doing the business? Number two, it plays off of what you and I are talking about. Network like there's no tomorrow and get that network system up and running and it might be people that are already in your path that you can just tap into. The second, don't let anyone tell you different if they're being negative around where you want to go.
0: And, and there's I know a lot when of those I people. Broke away,
1: there's a lot, yeah. And when I broke away, it was the second guessing. It's, it's go with the instinct. but I think the instinct does to some degree at first when you start out, there has to be purpose behind it to get over the hurdles, the walls that you'll bang into, but don't, don't listen to the naysayers and just make sure that part of that network are people that are a lot smarter, a <laughs> lot more experienced, and a lot more driven than you are. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And I've never been scared of smart people and that's why I think I've done well because I've allowed them to, to slap mm. me on the hand a little bit here and there.
1: So, yeah, you want those people in your life. I, I want to always be around people that are so much smarter than I am.
0: Yeah, and who are willing to tell you, like my friends did in my mastermind group, whoa, stop. Let's not go this way. Why don't you look at it that mm-hmm.
1: way? And, I
0: mean, it made all the mm-hmm. difference in the data that I'm I'm getting.
1: Oh, so, I believe it. Someone that, you know, that's part of your network too, that those people that are willing to not sugarcoat anything and really tell you how it is. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. So, Stacey, I've got a few more questions for you, but first – I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Stacy Hunky. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of, some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things to hear the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Stacy, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now?
1: Oh, the number one thing that's on the plate, it's been four years of writing book number two. Uh, tell me about it's it. It's been lots of research, lots of interviews with leaders, and lots of test driving the model that the book is designed on. And then realizing, nope, not not it, and then going back to the drawing board. The exciting news is it's out there. It is going to be published on February
0: 7th. Oh, that's just weeks away.
1: That's great. That's weeks away. So that that's big news number one. What's, what's the title of the book? Next, oh, thank you. That, that's important to share, <laughs> that, that's right? A, that's that's a good idea. Years.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. The yeah, title I, keep, of the book. I
1: keep telling people I'm now going to move to Tahiti, buy a tiki bar and live <laughs> down there for about a year to just pick up my feet. The name of the book is Influence Redefined. Nice. Be the leader you were meant to be Monday to Monday.
0: Awesome. That is awesome. And that will be available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all the the regular book places?
1: Yes, and on our website, which is com. There's also – the book is already up and ready for pre-orders, Tom.
0: Awesome. That is great. So anything else cool you're doing?
1: I think that, that's the big one. And now that we're sitting right at the end of December and January is creeping up, the big one always in the new year is we, we really take a, a pretty aggressive running start to take the business to that next level, both on clients' growth and the, the team's growth. So that's just always something I see as a, a cool thing because I don't know. I don't know what 2017 will bring. But if it's any indication where our past is, the cool idea is where can we take this next year? How many people can we impact? And what new innovative ideas can we come up with?
0: So what's an ideal client for your company?
1: An ideal client, we don't focus in a particular industry. We feel everyone communicates. We all can use polishing, including myself. Where we really focus, Tom, is either in sales professionals, because they're the profit center of any company, as well as director to C-suite. Nice. So Mm
0: -hmm. I love to ask people, who else, outside of your company, not somebody on your team, but who else do you Mm -hmm. see out there who's doing something cool? And the reason for this is I really strongly believe that great entrepreneurs, in addition to wanting to make money, I think that they are observers. And I think that as we're building our businesses, we're looking over our shoulder, looking to the left and the right, and not just people in our industry. We're watching to see who else is doing something cool. So who do you Mm -hmm. see out there?
1: There There are so many that when you sent me this question, I thought, oh, goodness, I can go down this long list. Therefore, I thought, I'm going to select two, one that people know, well, most people would know, one they may not know yet, but they should know. The one, and my, my friends would laugh if they heard this podcast and me saying this, I have been a Darren Hardy groupie for many, <laughs> many years. And, and here's why. The guy is consistent. Mm-hmm. I receive morning emails from him Monday to Friday. And anytime he throws out an action step or he makes a commitment, he does it. The guy is consistent. And he's done numerous businesses. So he obviously is not afraid to take risks. It's almost like he gets tired of one. That's my perception, and then he just opens up a new whole realm. <laughs> he sure so, does, and, that, and, and
0: he and he tackles like, the new one.
1: He just tackles it. That that's it. I'm in, I'm intrigued with that level of drive, only because I know what it takes to kick a business off. That he he would be up there and someone that I quote it often in my book and read his book, which, which is titled Trusted Edge is a gentleman by the name of David Horsager.
0: Mm-hmm. I know David.
1: And you know David, and I think I, I get so attached to him because here's a guy, if, if you've read, you've obviously read his book. Absolutely. He, he has this genuine authenticity to really get his message out there about trust, which there's, there's his some crossover to, to the topic that I do. But then when you meet him in person, again, real deal, the guy is consistent He's got this drive to have this impact on people, but yet in such a genuine and heartfelt way, that to me is an entrepreneur, that their confidence was earned and they never stole ego.
0: Yeah. And he's one of those people who he really just has a great soul. He's a nice guy.
1: He does. Yes. Those would be my top two. And there's there's many that sit also in that, that, that top two spot. So
0: the final question is, in addition to being great observers, I think entrepreneurs want to leave their mark behind. And so in addition to, to building our businesses, I think a lot of people go out there and, and find their way to, to be grateful and to give back to the greater good. So what do you do?
1: Mm-hmm. One thing that comes top to mind is I have created a scholarship at my college or where I got my degree at UW-Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. And we set up a scholarship for entrepreneurs, people that have that drive, people that might need financial assistance and people that are academically strong. That's what I do from my, my past history and living here in Chicago. I, I, I believe I, I want to share this whole idea of, gosh, if you want to be an entrepreneur, don't, don't stop. I mean, I would have never have thought this would be in my path. Therefore, twice a year I will speak at the University of Chicago. And I squeeze my way in that program to just really educate the freshmen and sophomores that 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 can be your choice no matter what your industry is and to be able to give back to the community in that way.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. I, I'm very fortunate. Every now and then, I get to ask to speak at the University of Texas, and I always love that yeah. just because it's it's right down the road. It's an easy thing to do, but at the same time, whether it's mm-hmm. a, you know whether it's a class of 25 or whether it's a, a hall with a couple hundred people in it, you know, you just don't know who that one person is, that one student who's going to say, "Oh, that's inspiring," and so I love that. Yeah. You do, I love that you do that in Chicago. That's great
1: to have that impact. And who knows? Who knows where it'll lead them down the road. So Stacey, this has been a great
0: conversation. I know that you have shared some little tidbits of information that are going to make someone in the audience sit up straight and say, I, I can do this. So if somebody's listening to this program and they just have to know more about you or they need to know more about your company, how can they find you?
1: Thank you, Tom. Let me spell it out. <laughs> the website is my name, which is dot ccom
0: StacyHunkyInc.com. You got it. So, although Stacy has an E and Hunky spelled with an A, <laughs> that's right. So, well, it has been so much fun to have you on the show. We've we've tried to organize this for a couple of months, and I'm glad that our schedules were able to come together here at the end of the year. I think mm-hmm. this is going to be one of the first shows of 2017. So, I know it's going to inspire a lot of people oh, who listen. So, And to everybody who tuned in and listened all the way to the end, I say it every time, if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Thank you so much for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do community. If this is your first show or your you know 226th show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review and let us know what you think. Those positive reviews, they make my whole day brighter. You can also find us on the Facebook page or on Twitter, at Cool Podcast, because we're the Cool Podcast. And we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Stacy, But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at
1: TomSinger.